And so as we get into this teaching series and really our heart and what we want to see happen is we celebrate 50 years gone by, but we also look forward to the things that God is going to do as, as we continue to press forward. And so as a leadership team, we were kind of wrestling with, well, uh, 50 could be the Jubilee because the, the year of Jubilee was the 50th year, or 50 could be Pentecost because Pentecost was the 50th day, and, you know, what, what direction do we want to go? And we were seeking the Lord, and the answer that we got was both. Both. And actually, as I began to study this teaching series and really dig into the Word, God really gave me a revelation of the connection between Jubilee and Pentecost that, that I had never seen before personally, and that's really one of the things we're going to dig into today. But all of that being said to say that this teaching series is called The Spirit of Jubilee. What do we want to see for these next seven weeks as, as we work our way into our 50th anniversary? We want to see a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit over Kauai Bible Church. And with that fresh outpouring, a declaration of jubilee and all the promises that come with the declaration of jubilee. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry. We're going to teach you here in just a second. All right. Um, but that's our heart. And so we're going to spend these next six Sundays looking at the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the, uh, uh, the, the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all these different aspects so that as we come together for our celebration, we can cry out together for a fresh outpouring and a declaration of jubilee. Amen? So let's get into this. This is part one of the series. This is the introduction of the series. And so we're going to be talking about Jubilee and the Holy Spirit. If you got a bulletin on your way in, you've got your Bible notes or your sermon notes in the bulletin. They're also on the church app. They're also attached to this audio podcast, and they're also attached to this video on our website. Here's our big picture point today. This is what we want to get to. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit ushered in a perpetual age of the promises of Jubilee that we now have access to. All right, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit ushered in a perpetual age of the promises of Jubilee that we now have access to. All right, and if none of that means anything to you, don't worry. Like I said, we're going to explain it. We're going to dig into this, so it does mean something. But what does that mean? That means that now that we live in the age of the church, that from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church of Jesus Christ was born, and from, from this day until the, the, the rapture, when, when Jesus comes and calls his church home, we live in the age of the church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that means this, that Jubilee is not every 50th year, that means every year is the year of Jubilee. That means every day is the day of Jubilee, right? What does it say in Corinthians? Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. So we are talking about a perpetual year of Jubilee. We don't have to wait every 50 years to declare it. So let's dig into what Jubilee means. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated Jubilee, all that means is a ram's horn because that's the horn they blew to announce the Jubilee. So that word doesn't really give us anything. That, that doesn't help us out. But let's go to the scripture and let's break this down. So we're going to go back to Leviticus chapter 25. And we're going to look at the original instructions from God on what the year of Jubilee meant. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years, right? So God had just got done letting them know, listen, Sabbath is not just a weekly principle. 
Yes, I want you to practice the Sabbath every seventh day for 24 hours. But then he said, I want you to practice the Sabbath as a yearly principle, that every seventh year would be the Sabbath. And for an agricultural society like they were, God said, I want the land to rest for a whole year on that seventh year. That means you've got to trust me that I'm going to provide twice as much food in the sixth year so that you won't do anything on your land during the seventh year. And now God takes it a step further. So not only is Sabbath not just a weekly principle, but it's a a every seven years principle. He also says it's also a principle of every seven of seven years. That every time you count off a Sabbath year, I want you to count off seven Sabbath years so that you get to 49 years. And then the next year, the 50th year, I want you to set that one apart as something different. Verse 9, you shall then sound a ram's horn. That's where the word jubilee comes from. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the 50th year as a jubilee. You shall not sow, nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. So think about this. The people of Israel already had to trust God that every sixth year he would give them a double portion of food so that they could have a Sabbath year. But for the year of Jubilee, they had to trust that God would give them three times the food in the sixth year because they would practice a Sabbath year and then they would practice Jubilee, which would be another Sabbath year. They would go two full years without harvesting their land because they trusted God. Verse 12, for it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. On the year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. If you make a sale moreover to your friend or buy from your friend's hand, you shall not wrong one another. Corresponding to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your friend. He is to sell you according to the number of years of crops. So think about this. Right? Everybody had their, their family land. Right? Every family in the nation of Israel was apportioned land. And if at any time, because of financial hardship, you had to sell your land, you knew that in the year of Jubilee, you were going to get it back. So really, in essence, all you were doing was leasing your land until the year of Jubilee came about. So what was the price of your land? They would actually calculate the price based on how many years it was until the year of Jubilee. If it was 40 years till the year of Jubilee, then your land had a lot of harvests left in it. And so it had a lot of value. But if there's only five years left to the Jubilee, then your land only had a few harvests in it, and and it didn't have as much value. So they would actually price the land based on how many years it was until Jubilee. Verse 16, in proportion to the extent of the years, you shall increase its price. And in proportion to the fewness of the years, you shall diminish its price. For it is a number of crops he is selling to you. So you shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Right? So these were the instructions that God gave his people to practice this sense of jubilee, that every 50th year when the ram's horn blew to declare the jubilee, everything was going to be restored. 
Now, Isaiah prophesies about this in Isaiah chapter 61, and, and these verses may sound familiar to you, but this is a jubilee prophecy. Isaiah wrote, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What is the favorable year of the Lord? The year of Jubilee. Hallelujah. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. They'll be like trees. The planting of the Lord that God may be glorified. So let's talk about what Jubilee means. And I want to share with you basically three promises that are attached to the year of Jubilee. All right, the first promise is restoration. Right? The declaration of Jubilee meant the restoration of all things. And so in Israel, it all came down to land, right? That all the land of Israel was the promised land. God had promised it to them. They were supernaturally able to take possession of this land after 400 years of slavery. And then once they took possession of the land, they divided it up amongst tribes. And then within the tribes, they divided it up amongst families. And that land represented the promise of God for their family. And so again, because of financial hardship or drought or famine or just all of the things that would happen in life, they would have to sell their land to pay off debts. And so selling off their land was like giving away God's promise. And so what did the Jubilee mean? It meant the restoration of God's promises. At the declaration of Jubilee, everybody got their family land back. Everybody got their family land back. It's the declaration of restoration. The second thing that Jubilee means is liberation. It's a declaration of freedom. Just like people had to sell their land because of financial hardship, people also had to sell themselves into slavery because of financial hardship. And they would work as indentured servants. But their servanthood would always end at the year of Jubilee, at the declaration of Jubilee, all of the indentured servants, all of the slaves would be set free. Right in Isaiah 61, the prophetic promise said, The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. There is a declaration of liberation. There is a promise of freedom that comes with the year of Jubilee. And the third thing, so we have restoration, we have liberation, and we have consolation. Consolation. To bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Right? There is a consolation, which means a comfort that comes with jubilee. That though life is hard and we do grieve and we do go through difficult times, that in the midst of that grief, God brings comfort. 
He brings peace. He brings hope that we are able to face our losses and face our difficulties with a different perspective because we have a promise of consolation. We will never be alone. Right? So the declaration of Jubilee, a declaration of restoration, liberation, and consolation. That's what Jubilee means. So let's begin to tie this, this, this then into this idea of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the key now to Jubilee in the age that we live in. And, and to see this, I want us to look at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus himself. Right? Jesus lived in relative anonymity, right? Just, he was, he was pretty much in obscurity for the first 30 years of his life. He grew up in a nowhere town, small town, nobody really noticed. You know, he had that one episode when he was 12 years old where he was teaching in the temple and people were amazed. But other than that, he lived 30 years without notice. And then in Luke chapter 3, it says that when John was down at the Jordan River baptizing people, it says Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Now, I know people can misinterpret this to think that a dove actually flew down from the sky and landed on him, but it doesn't say a dove landed on him. It says that the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon Jesus, and a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. So Jesus gets water baptized, and then when he comes up out of the water, we see him getting Holy Spirit baptized as the Holy Spirit comes upon him in bodily form. So in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. And so we know at this time now Jesus goes off and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted by the devil. He withstands all the temptations of the devil. And then we get to verse 14 where it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. So Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized came back and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After 40 days in the wilderness, returns to the region of Galilee and returns to his hometown. And in verse 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Yeah, I just want you guys to notice that it was Jesus' custom to go to church every week. All right? I'm just going to throw that out there and let it preach itself. Okay. And he stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, and guess what Jesus reads out of the book of Isaiah? The same verses we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to what? to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What is the favorable year of the Lord? It's Jubilee. So Jesus says, I have come to proclaim Jubilee. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, right? Now people are like, whoa, something's happening right now. And Jesus preached the simplest sermon that's ever been preached. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's it. 
today, this scripture has been fulfilled right here in your presence. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was declaring the beginning of his ministry and that his ministry was the fulfillment of the prophetic promise of Jubilee. And so Jesus would now embark for the next three and a half years on a Jubilee ministry, a ministry of declaring that the time of Jubilee had come and all the promises that come along with it. And I want you to notice, Jesus did not declare his ministry until he was full of the Holy Spirit. Right? What did we just read in Luke? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not declare his jubilee ministry until he was full of the Holy Spirit. He could have declared it at any time. But he was showing us the critical connection between the Holy Spirit and jubilee. And then what did Jesus' ministry look like? Binding up the brokenhearted, declaring freedom to the captives, healing the sick, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf. Jesus then went out and lived out this ministry until the fulfillment of his ministry, which he declared was to seek and to save the lost. And so he lived a perfect life so that he qualified to pay the price of our sins in our place, and he died on a cross as a propitiation, as a replacement for our own punishment. And then he rose from the dead, victorious over sin in the grave. So that leads us then to now this idea of the day of Pentecost. So let's talk about the day of Pentecost. What did this mean? Well, in the Israelite calendar... They had three festival weeks, three times that they would all return to Jerusalem and celebrate festivals together for the entire week. And, and so they would Sabbath for the entire week. They wouldn't just take one day off. They would take the whole seven days off, and they would just feast together, right? And so these were uh, the Feast of the first fruits, and then the Feast of Weeks, and then the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Right? The Feast of first fruits was the first harvest they collected. And the feast or the celebration that kicked off that week was called Passover. Right? And we're very familiar with the Passover celebration. The second feast or the second festival week was called the Feast of Weeks. And the big party that kicked off the Feast of Weeks was called Pentecost. So what was the relationship between the Passover kicking off that first week of first fruits and the Pentecost? Well, if we go to Leviticus 23 and verses 15 and 16, it says, You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering. What day was that? That was the Passover. He said, so from that day you shall count there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. So the, the Passover and the day of Pentecost were always separated by 50 days. That's what Pentecost means. It means 50. 
We see the same thing in Deuteronomy 16. It says, you shall count seven weeks for yourself. You shall begin to count seven weeks from the time you began to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then you shall celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you, shall, which you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you. So what I want you guys to see here is that, that, uh, that the day of Pentecost is actually a type of the Jubilee. Because just as the Israelites were to count seven weeks of years and then mark the Jubilee, so they were also to count seven weeks of days and then mark the Pentecost. So why is this significant? If the Pentecost was a type or a foreshadowing or a symbol of the Jubilee, well, when it came time that Jesus was going to ascend to heaven after his resurrection and he gave his final instructions to his disciples, what did he tell them to do? He said, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem and I don't want you to do anything until you've received the gift of the Father. What was the gift of the Father? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to wait here. Well, it turns out they had to wait seven days. How do we know that? Because we know that Jesus was in the grave for three days, and then he showed himself alive for 40 days. So 43 days had passed from the Passover. And we know the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So there were seven days. Why did God make them wait around seven days for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Because God had already, thousands of years earlier, established the day of Pentecost as a type of the Jubilee. And therefore, when God chose to pour out his Holy Spirit, he chose to pour it out on the day of Pentecost, symbolically to declare that the Holy Spirit was now ushering in a new age of Jubilee. Are you guys tracking with me? Or am I just nerding out up here, okay? Because I think this is amazing. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, not only was the church born and we were ushered into the age of the church of Jesus Christ, but also the declaration of the fulfillment of the Jubilee ministry of Jesus was declared now that Jubilee was no longer every 50 years. Jubilee was now every day because we now live in a perpetual Jubilee. I'll just assume you guys are as excited as I am. All right. Hallelujah. I just, I, just, I just figured you're saying amen to yourself. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul writes this, But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ, right? And so what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about that when Moses came out of the presence of God off of Mount Sinai, his face was glowing, like literally glowing, not like, wow, you look really cheerful. No, like his face was actually lit up, glowing, and it was freaking people out. And so Moses actually put a veil over his face to not freak people out. And eventually the glow went away. And so Paul took that concept of the veil and was now applying it symbolically to the fact that when we are all lost without the truth of the gospel, we all walk around with veils over our eyes. We can't see the truth. We can't see the reality of the promise of God in our lives. And so in verse 15, he says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
There is a lifting of the veil, and now the heart can receive truth and understand truth. And those things which are spiritual, which carnal man cannot understand, now our heart can receive because the veil has been taken away. And then Paul takes it a step further in the next verse by declaring, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. What a declaration that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And right, this is interesting because what is the promise of Jubilee? Liberty, right? Freedom from slavery, liberation. But here's the thing. We know that God is everywhere all the time. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is the form or the manifestation or the person of God that is operating here on the earth. So we know that the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time. But we don't see freedom everywhere all the time, right? We see people wrapped up in bondage all over the place, wrapped up in the bondage of sin and their own pursuits of life and the devastation and the consequences of living in a broken world and making broken decisions. We, We don't see freedom everywhere. So what was Paul talking about when he said, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I love what John Bevere says. He says, if you put this into the proper context, what the declaration really is is this. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So anywhere where somebody is living a life submitted to the leading and the lordship of the Spirit of God, which the Bible also says is what? The Spirit of Christ. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So where the Holy Spirit is Lord, the promises of Jubilee are available. So what does that mean to us today? Let me bring this home and land this plane again as the foundation for what we're going to dig into over these next six or seven weeks. What does that mean? Is that today being full of the Holy Spirit means we have access to all of the Jubilee promises. So listen, when we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and yes, we are a charismatic Pentecostal church, right? We like to pray in tongues. We like to see the operation of the Holy Spirit. We want the power of God. But listen, when we are seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are not just simply seeking a demonstration of power. We've got to have the understanding that the Holy Spirit is the key to Jubilee and that when we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we are receiving all of the promises of Jubilee. What does that mean? That means we receive restoration. And just like the children of Israel had to sell away the promise of God, but in the declaration of Jubilee, God would restore the promised land. So today, we have sold away the promises of God in our lives when we have succumbed to the temptation of sin, uh, when we have chosen things of the right now instead of the things of the not yet, and we have forsaken the promises of God in our lives. When the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us, and we surrender ourselves to the Lordship of the Spirit, The Bible says we have the jubilee promise that every promise of God is restored in our lives. Paul wrote it in Ephesians. He said we now have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He says we are now co-heirs with Christ, which means all of the inheritance that is available to the children of God is available to us. 
Everything that God set aside for Christ Jesus, he has set aside for us too. And so in the Jubilee promise, we have access to the restoration of all of our inheritance in the kingdom of God. And so we can stand and pray for the restoration of our families, for the restoration of our marriages, for the restoration of the purpose in our lives, for the restoration of our bodies, for the the restoration of ministry and God's call upon our lives, for the restoration of all things. Because the Holy Spirit promises us jubilee. It also means the promise of liberation. We are no longer slaves to sin. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, we no longer are under the bondage of slavery to sin. Before Jesus, we had to sin because it was in our nature. That's what sinners do. But when we have the Holy Spirit, we don't have to sin anymore. Now, we're not perfect. We still do. We still live in broken flesh, and so there's always going to be some bad attitudes or some bad phrases that come out of our mouth or some bad thoughts that pop into our head, right? That's just the brokenness of who we are, but we are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer have to make choices based on sinful behavior patterns or based on the way that the devil wants us to live in this life. We have liberation in the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live into bondage to addictions and to old broken patterns that were taught to us by this world. We have liberation. And we don't have to look forward to the next 50-year cycle. I remember the second time I was locked up, my release date was June 15th. And my bunkmate was this funny guy. And he just started calling me 15 because that was my release date. And he was so excited about my release dates because his release date was the next day. And so he just started calling me 15. We'd be walking around the yard. He'd be like, Fiddeen, what up, Fiddeen? He's like, don't take this personally, but I'm going to be so happy to see you go. Because when you go, that means I get to go. Fiddeen. Right? You look forward to your liberation day. You look forward to that day. Listen, in the Holy Spirit, we don't have to count off days to our liberation. Today is the day. All the promises of Jubilee, we don't have to live that way anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Woo! And the promise of consolation, that we have the joy of the Lord, even when we're grieving, even when we're feeling the difficult emotions of life, even when we've suffered loss, even when things didn't work out the way that we hoped, we always have the joy of the Lord. We always have the consolation of God. We always have the comfort of those who mourn because we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me have the worship team come back up today. Being full of the Holy Spirit means we have access to all of the Jubilee promises. But it also means this that we continue Jesus' jubilee ministry to others. Again, we are not just into demonstrations of power because we like to put on a show. No, we have the same ministry that Jesus was called to. Isaiah 61, 1 through verse 3, that Jesus stood up in that little synagogue in Nazareth a couple of thousand years ago and read that prophetic word and declared to that small gathering of Israelites that today this prophecy is fulfilled in your midst. 
that now we as the followers of Christ are living out that same prophecy that we have now been given the same Jubilee ministry because the same Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus now rests upon us. And we have been anointed to carry on that ministry. And so I'm going to finish with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I'm going to finish with this verse because next Sunday we're going to start with this verse and carry this thought forward. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's not just for your benefit, even though we just said there's a lot of benefits to the Holy Spirit coming upon us, but it's not just for our benefit. It's so that we can now carry on the Jubilee ministry of Jesus. What did Jesus say to us? He said, the things that I do, you will do also, and even greater things will you do. So just like Elijah took off his mantle and put it on Elisha and gave him a double portion anointing to carry on his ministry, so today Jesus takes off his mantle of the Jubilee ministry and he puts it upon us and he gives us a double portion anointing and he says, now you go be my witnesses. You carry this Jubilee with you everywhere that you go and you bring the reality of Jubilee into other people's lives. Amen? Amen. Will you stand together with me today? Amen. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, Lord, we just ask that you would come. Would you just give us greater and greater revelation over the coming weeks of the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives? A greater and greater revelation of the purpose of this and why we do this. Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you open up the, the, the mind of our inner man, our spiritual understanding, so that we can understand these things, Lord? So that we would realize all that we have access to and that we would not live short of it. I pray today for those that maybe have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they've never fully understood it. I pray that over these next six weeks, they would receive that baptism. They would receive that fullness. I pray for those that received the baptism many, many, many moons ago but are living in an emptiness today. I pray a fresh infilling in their lives, Lord, that we would be continuously filled with your Spirit. Jesus, I pray for those that have struggled with a divided heart, that they've experienced the wonders of your cross and the power of your spirit, but they've also been lured away by the things of this world and they find themselves stuck in between. I pray that this coming season, this season of Jubilee, that they would realize all that they are sacrificing when they walk away, Lord, and they would forsake all to say, I just want the Lordship of the Holy Spirit in my life. Jesus, would you work these things in and through us, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, breakthrough. Right now, Holy Spirit, just begin to fill people's hearts. Jesus, begin to cause dreams and ministries and promises to be reborn. Even in our mind, even in our faith and our belief.
before we even see the manifestation of it in reality, Lord, we will know that you are restoring every promise unto us. I pray the consolation of God would work its way through our hearts today. Jesus, Jesus. And I pray for the declaration of freedom today. Hallelujah. We don't have to be slaves to anything anymore. We are slaves of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.